in fact I think I refused to get one because I don't usually like burgers and then you bought one and I had a bite of yours and I was like mm, should have got two <laughs> welcome to another episode of the healthy explorer podcast this is another ACBC podcast episode where Annalise and I talk about our time in Berlin and Cologne enjoy After we'd spent some time in Belgium for Christmas break in 2018, there was a really cheap flight from Brussels to Berlin. So we decided to take the flight to Berlin. So what were your initial thoughts and expectations about visiting Berlin? Um, I think seeing a capital of a country is always cool to see like how that nation tries to represent itself because um, you know capitals are usually built up to do that. Um, I was looking forward to going and seeing the Berlin Wall. Um, my dad had visited Berlin before the wall fell actually um, and they even went over into East Germany um, when it was like East Germany. So it was interesting um, from like I already knew a little bit about how it was and what his trip there was like. So I was looking forward to seeing um, what had changed. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of history there um, from World War Two as well. So uh I knew that's something that we were going to see a lot of. Um, we probably, I mean, didn't do as much as I expected on that front, but we didn't have a long time there. so. Yeah, we were only there for a few days, and Berlin is a really big city. I mean, I guess it used to be two cities, so it makes sense that it would be big, but it did surprise me how spread out everything was. And we got in there at night, so we didn't really do anything the the first day there where did we stay in berlin we stayed at plus berlin and they had a pool and a sauna there but it was only open in limited hours during the day and we were out of the hostel during those hours so we didn't get a chance to use the the pool or the sauna but then the next morning when we woke up we went to a place that was interestingly called Annalise. It was cool. The cafe was really, really cute as well. I enjoyed it. Um, we had coffee. And then we went and did the Sandman's walking tour, which, as we said before, is a great way to see a lot of the city and to get a feel for it and get good context on the city and good recommendations for for our time in the city. Yeah, I really enjoyed that the walking tour took us past the Holocaust Memorial um, and explained 
that there are a couple different theories about the number, the specific number of stones and um, and their arrangement and, you know, what it's meant to represent. But um, she, she explained it in a really clever way where um, she just let you think about it first and, like, so that your interpretation of this memorial wasn't um like biased by her expert opinion or whatever and then she revealed that actually the artist like kind of keeps it close to his chest as well like his intention is more um to get the individual looking at the art to like reflect on um the horrors of what happened and how many lives were lost so I personally um thought that um she she told us something interesting about like uh Jewish graveyards right with all the tombstones um I might be misremembering um but yeah and then we had time to walk amongst the stones and then rejoin everyone and carry on with our tour um which also took us to like some really interesting uh buildings involved in world war ii um like that big huge air force office or i can't remember which office it was um as well as like the car park where I don't know, Hitler was meant to have died. And they've done a really good job of like putting him out of any more limelight than he experienced as the Nazi leader because um, they didn't want to like disclose where he was buried so that it wouldn't turn into some sort of like neo-Nazi shrine, um, which I thought thought was um almost a very clever thing to do and I think it's something to bear in mind you know when we give all this media attention to bad actors or bad not actors like actresses and actors but like people who do horrific things it's like it's kind of glorifying them so should we be doing that or should we sort of you know address the fact that there's victims or and and focus on them and not like the person who did it or the the I don't know uh circumstance itself um but yeah and we had really really good choreographed at the resting place um which was just like a normal kind of bar thing that they used as the the stopping point um, but I really enjoyed that. It was better than the other one that we had later. Yeah. And the other one was actually more highly recommended, but I agree. The one that, that we had, uh, at the break on the walking tour was better in my opinion as well. And most walking tours will usually stop about 50 or 60% of the way through the walking tour. A lot of times to advertise other paid tours that they do. Uh, but also to let people have a snack or use the restroom or whatever. And while we were on the walking tour break, 
across the street was a museum called the Topography of Terror. And like what you were saying before, I think that museum did a good job of not glorifying some of the bad acts that have taken place in the past, but also not erasing them from history and understanding that they happened but working towards preventing something like that from ever happening again. So that museum was was interesting in how they they had it set up there. And it was free to enter because they said that they want anyone to be able to see that and hopefully that will lead to things like that not happening again. And then after the walking tour, we went down by what's left of the Berlin Wall, where now they had uh, all kinds of graffiti. Some of it really, really good. Some of it just tags, but some of the graffiti that they have along that wall is is really good, and a lot of it can be really interesting as well. I loved it, like all the different art. There's a lot of um, political pieces as well, even from different places, like... um, who is it that was kissing? So apparently the picture of the two politicians kissing in the graffiti on the wall is depicting a Russian politician and a German politician in what is called a socialist fraternal kiss. Which was apparently how uh, socialist leaders greeted each other or like as an alternative to like three kisses on alternate cheeks. But um, yeah, it's still done in some countries, but I don't know whether it will be anymore post COVID. There weren't many blank spaces along what's left of the wall. Most of what's on the wall is now covered in some type of graffiti from graffiti artists all around the world, apparently. Also, while we were in Berlin, we got to go to Museum Island and we did the Island Pass, which uh, gives access into all the museums on the island. There's like an island in the the middle of the Spree River and in the, the middle of the river, they have an island with a handful of different museums. So we got to check a few of those out. It was so cool. So we got the the pass. Um, obviously, we were trying to do it in one day, which, I mean, you need to have a plan. I'm a little bit of a completionist, and especially when it comes to museums. And I like to doodle and read, like, a lot of the things, not just, you know, the the most pertinent ones so it can take me a very 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 long time to get around museums as Billy will attest to however so we (laughs) so we had to like form a plan basically and decide which order we were going in which museum what we really wanted to see because I really really wanted to see the bust of Nefertiti um, which we did, and that was super cool. Um, and then the Pergamon Museum was um, the surprise one for me because I didn't realize that it had all these like 
amazing reconstructed like walls and archways that just were um you know ancient egyptian or or like some other ancient culture um which is the history that i find most fascinating to see it like alive almost in this very real scale um with all the pieces that are missing replaced like true to um what the rest of it looked like it was just it, it was incredible walking underneath those like huge arches yeah and i think there's six or seven museums on museum island i we made it to three or four of them so we were able to see quite a bit even in just one day there but it's definitely something that you could spend i could even spend a few days you could spend i don't even know how long mm-hmm. A long, long time. And also while we were in Berlin, even though it was after Christmas, some of the Christmas markets were still open. Some had closed, but we went to one that we actually had to pay a euro to get in, which is unusual for the Christmas markets. Usually they're free, but I kind of liked the concept of paying a euro to get in because it wasn't too expensive and the money went to charity and it helped keep pickpockets from going into, or at least deter pickpockets from going into uh, the Christmas market and coming from Barcelona where I'd had two phones stolen by pickpockets. That was a little bit comforting. Um, But I thought the, for me coming from the U S we don't, typically have Christmas markets the way they do in parts of Europe. So it was a lot of fun for me to go to the Christmas market there. Yeah. And that one in particular, like, um, it was busy, but we got a place at the bar and they even had some really good craft beer. Um, and we got talking to somebody cause they liked my hat um, I think we got, did we get free, we got like a couple of freebies or reductions because um, of my like, my owl hat, which my mom made. So people would compliment me and I'd be like, thanks, my mom made it. Yeah, we went to buy almonds or... Nuts, it was like candied nuts. Yeah, candied nuts and um, we didn't have the exact change and... So they just gave us a discount so that we could pay with um, with the even change that we had. Mm-hmm. And she had asked like, oh, where did you get your hat? Like, w- like thinking that it was from the market itself so that she could go get one. And I was like, oh, it's handmade, sorry. <laughs> but there is a book out there with the pattern in somewhere, so maybe <laughs> or I, I think I joked with her I was like oh it's fine just come to Birmingham for our next Christmas market and I'll find you so what stands out in terms of food and drink for you in Berlin the horrific queue for the most average kebab ever so sometimes Billy comes across pure golden opportunities of amazing food or coffee or drink and and it's wonderful sometimes the place is closed for holidays which has happened to us actually surprising a lot to the point where it's kind of a little in joke 
And it's very rarely a disappointment, but we very rarely wait more than an hour in the freezing cold. Basically, we just had like my my tip for you if you're going to go to this particular kebab um, stand in Berlin, which is super famous, is I have a look at the size of the kebab meat the the like the rotisserie meat um before you get in the queue and try and think about when that's going to need to be changed because they have a huge massive one that takes up the size of like two of the grills which I understand like is kind of more efficient in one way but then it means that they have when they do have to change the the meat stick I'm not sure if I should call it that when they do have to change the kebab um, over to a fresh one, it takes time for it to cook through enough first. So we got stuck in that waiting time uh, in the queue to the point where like, I left the queue and went and got one of the like more famous curry versed, which again, I wasn't that impressed with. And I went and got a disgusting what cherry stout from a paper shop as well that was nearby yeah it wasn't good it was so gross um but I saw stout and I was like oh it's cherry it's like kirsch it's we're in Germany that should be fine but it was it wasn't fine it was gross um but we weren't the only people who were like nipping into that um shop just to get like supplies to see them through the wait um so eventually we got our kebab and it's okay it's like it's I mean kebabs in England are often I don't know like that greasy food that you get and when you say kebab as an American most Americans would probably think it's chunks of meat and vegetable on a stick but when Brits say kebab it's what most Americans would call either shawarma or yiro, or heroes or um, so it's basically a giant thing of meat and they it twirls around and the meat gets sliced off and put into a pita or a wrap. Yeah, so long queue, not worth, but it was fresh and tasty, is how I'd describe it because British people just presume like a kebab's like this big like dirty greasy not sure what kind of meat it really is unless you're in Wales and then it's really tasty lamb um so what else the burger the burger that we almost didn't get which is just like some stand under a railway was amazing like the bread was fantastic the meat was fantastic in fact I think I refused to get one because I don't usually like burgers and then you bought one and I had a bite of yours and I was like, mm, should have got two. <laughs> so I ate half of yours. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> and yeah, I want to thank you for trusting me after the swing and a miss with the kebab shop because when you try enough new places, not every place is going to be a 10 out of 10 regardless of how good the recommendation is. And yeah, the kebab place 
was a was a swing and a miss because the weight not that the kebab itself was bad but i think we went through two changes of the giant chunk of meat before we even got up to where we could order and yeah the the currywurst place that was supposed to be a good currywurst place wasn't even as good as the one that we had had on the break from the walking tour which wasn't you know a, a typical place to get currywurst so but the the burger the I guess we had not just I had but the burger that that we had was possibly the best burger I've had in my life and I'm not a huge burger person but it was absolutely delicious and they had a nice system there so it made even at first it looked like there might be a bit of a wait, but they moved through the queue really quickly. Um, so it wasn't a bad wait at all. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that if you go at certain peak times, it could be, but um, it moved pretty quickly. Yeah, it was a really, really small place, though, that was like had an enclosed shelter. Like, obviously, you could just take your burger and go, but if it's cold out or, or raining, and you want to like stay in there um, just for a minute. Like I'm not sure how many people they'd be able to fit in there. It was a bit of a tight squeeze. But that was the only bad thing. But you can just take your burger and go. So we went to a market. A food market. A food market. Was it just food? It was, it was like food and produce. There was like, there was, there was, was there honey or mead or something that we tried that, that he just didn't have like a size small enough for us to take back on the plane. So we were like, oh, sorry. Um, Cause he was like, yeah, people, a lot of people have said that that was like a real oversight on my behalf. <laughs> so. Cause it was tasty, but yeah, we, it was something that we couldn't take cause we just had backpacks with us. Um, but the, the curry and the shakshuka, was it shakshuka? Yeah, we got curry, shakshuka, and French toast. And one thing that impressed me just in general of everywhere that we were in Germany was how good the bread was. And again, I'm not typically a bread person, but I think that's part of what made that burger so good. And that made the French toast absolutely amazing. So, yeah, every place that I had any bread in Germany was really good. Maybe bread's just, like, more acceptable to you in winter because your body's like, feed me carbs. Yeah, maybe maybe my body <laughs> trying to put pounds on because it, so it needs to create body heat. <laughs> But also in Berlin, we went to the barn, which if you like craft coffee, I would say is a must do. The The coffee there was awesome. And they gave you a card with um, the origin of the coffee and a lot of details on where, it, where the coffee came from. And the food there was really tasty as well. But obviously the, the coffee is the star of the show there. And I think they have a few different locations in Berlin. But I would say if, if you like coffee and you can get to one, do it. Also, while we were in Berlin, we had 
in addition to coffee, we had some other absolutely incredible drinks. Uh, we went to a few really, really good places. We went to the Brewdog in Berlin, which had uh, a beer from Tool called Jewel Malik, which apparently in Danish translates to Christmas milk, like Yule, like Yuletide, and then Malk, like milk. And it is one of the tastiest things I've ever had in my life. It was absolutely delicious. Yeah, we don't know how to actually pronounce it correctly, so it might be like Hulmalk or something like that. But for simplicity's sake, we say Jewel Malik. And oh, it was the most delicious beer I've had in my life to this date. I've, I've tasted some ones that are on par, but just doesn't have that edge of like being in the middle of the holiday season and getting into the warm from the cold and um you know being on holiday with your significant other like there's a lot of like extra factors that just really add to our um our reminiscence of this reminiscence of this beer um yeah and even when we got back to barcelona we looked that one up and found a couple places in barcelona that had it um, I don't think any place still has it now because I think it was a seasonal one, but that's something that I'm pretty much perpetually on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. Also, we got a chance to go to Buckenbreck, uh, which is a speakeasy in Berlin, and finding it is its own adventure in itself. Yeah, it was a little difficult to find for like a first time um, person, but it's definitely not impossible as long as you follow the instructions carefully. And I believe it even had a closed light on when we got there, which some speakeasies will have different levels of secrecy. So we weren't sure if the closed sign was up because it was a speakeasy so they didn't want people coming in that weren't there for the speakeasy or if the closed sign was because the speakeasy itself was closed because it was uh in between christmas and new year so it's you know very possible that a place could close for a period of time then but we decided to ring the bell anyway and got in got a seat and it was a really, really cool place inside. Wasn't someone smoking, though? That was, yeah, that was the one downside. Um, they did allow cigarettes inside, and when we first got in, no one was smoking, and we we got our drinks, And but by the time we were finishing our drinks, um, someone had, yeah, started smoking, so... We uh, decided to head out. But we were sat at the bar. It was a cool atmosphere. The drinks were really good. I remember the drinks being really good. Oh. So there was also one place that we walked past um, going from the hostel into the town that looked, uh, it was obviously a seasonal place that was only open in the summer months because it was like, looked like, um, it was made to look like 
a beach and like tiki huts and just looked really cool, kind of like almost like a mini festival area, entertainment area um, that looked really cool that I'd like to see in the summertime maybe. And then like the sad thing with Berlin was the amount of homeless people we saw. I'm not sure if it's where we stayed as well. Um, yeah, by the Berlin Wall, there were quite a few homeless people and another thing that I thought was interesting from our time in Germany was the deposit that they have on plastic bottles and in the states a lot of times or at least in some states for plastic and glass bottles you can maybe get five cents six cents if you um, if you turn it back in but there they charge an extra 25 30 cents something like that for each bottle and then when you bring it back to the store you put it into a machine um, and it either gives you store credit or just the cash um, for however many bottles you have and then from berlin we went down to cologne cologne um, I mean, it's got some beautiful things that set aside from other kind of like businessy German towns like Frankfurt. Um, it has a beautiful like Gothic style cathedral, which is just amazing detail, like all around the outside. And it's kind of got like, um... I don't know, you can view it from a couple of different levels, just the way that the streets um, incline and decline around it. Yeah, it's a shame that we missed the full Christmas market there. Um, but there were still a couple of like side um, streets with stalls on that were in like the Christmas market style. Um, but the big standouts for me were the, um, the cathedral, but also the chocolate museum which um that's set on is it the rhine i'm pretty sure that's the river rhine but the the chocolate museum is first of all the lint museum and and who doesn't love a lint bunny or the lint truffles oh mm, yummy so we'd heard that you could actually get free chocolate bar so that motivated us (laughs) Well, and I think a lot of people missed out on that free chocolate bar because yeah. they they were passing around these wafers that they dipped in chocolate in one area and anyone that was in the had paid to go in the museum could go up there and wait in line and get one of those. So the line there when we first went up was pretty long, but the place where you actually get to have your own personal chocolate bar made with where you get to pick, I think, three different add-ins. And I think you get to pick if you want milk, dark, or white chocolate was around the corner from that. And the line there was a lot shorter. And I don't think people realized that they needed to go there to order their chocolate bar. So I, I think after we had ordered and gotten ours and it was getting close to the time when the museum was closing, 
a bunch of people had gone over there to try and get their chocolate bars made. But by that time it was too late because they weren't going to have time to make them before they closed. So they all, they all unfortunately missed out on their chocolate. Yeah. Some people weren't happy. Um, but there was also a big line around this other, um, like part of the museum, which was like a production line mock-up. Um, and it was like making and distributing like little, bars but it was like every other and it was like literally just like an inch square of chocolate so it was really some people like is this it and then other people didn't realize what they were queuing for so they just you know joined the queue because that's what you do and didn't realize that it was just like this this bottleneck that had backed up of people wanting to get a chocolate from this production line um, not realizing that, yeah, the the chocolate shop and the fully customizable customizable bar was upstairs, um, and that was really cool. So we got our own personal chocolate bars at the Lint Museum, which is a beautiful building in itself because it kind of looks like um, a ship set out into the river, and it has a really nice um, like balcony platform almost at the front. Um, which is just open whenever because we actually um, went back there uh, on the way back to our accommodation one evening because um, we bought like some craft beers. So we kind of like stood out on there um, with the, there's like this huge, the, the chocolate fountain, but that is kind of partially gold and like all lit up in the glass behind it as well. Um, so that was that was kind of romantic, actually, uh, standing out there. Looking over the River Rhine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, chocolate museum, lint chocolate. Mm, so, great. And then you had, like, the, I won't say limitless or unlimited because you had to pay for each one, but then there was the Unstoppable Beer Place, which had featured on um, an Anthony Bourdain show. So obviously we had to go there. Um, but it was really good. Um, I don't remember much about the food itself. And the beer was more like, it was like a Pilsner or a lager. I'm not sure. I'm not good with that kind of beer. I'll let Billy explain. Yeah, for me, that was one of my highlights because the food there was absolutely amazing. Um, but the city of Cologne is popular for making Kolsch, which is uh, a type of beer that's very, very light and easy to drink. But in a lot of the local breweries, they will keep serving you anytime your glass gets empty. So the glasses are a lot smaller than an average pint glass. So apparently they do that so the beer stays cold. So they serve you in like smaller servings, but keep it continually coming and then just put a, a pen mark on your coaster for each one that they give you uh, until you put your coaster, until you either say you're done or you put your coaster uh, on top of your glass. But it was an interesting experience to have the waitress come over and like just when we had sat down, um, say the beer's on its way. What would you like to eat? <laughs> um, but the, the food that we got there was absolutely amazing. 
and the cathedral in Cologne is for me in terms of how big it is, but also how detailed it is. It doesn't rank for me as high as the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, but it's, I would say it's next after that one. It's a really, really impressive building. And although it was after Christmas, some of the Christmas markets were still open in Cologne. Uh, The main one in front of the cathedral had closed down, so we saw them kind of still putting everything away that had been uh, set up there. But there were a few other Christmas markets in Cologne that were still going on. And one of them even had an outdoor skating rink like the one that we had seen uh, earlier in Bruges. And also right around the corner from that Christmas market was a delirium outpost, which delirium was the place that we had gotten to visit uh, while we were in Brussels. So we were able to stop at the one in Cologne as well. And the chocolate museum was pretty cool as well. They even had one room that was set to the temperature and humidity level of the areas of the world where uh, chocolate is actually grown, where cacao is grown. Um, So you could see the types of plants that it would be around and what the the plant itself looks like. And it talked about the, a little bit about the history of chocolate and the, the process of making the chocolate as well. So that was interesting. Yeah, it was, um, a really comprehensive museum and I liked the fact that it had the rainforest room and then all these, um, like environmental, um, and biological, um, concerns like within the exhibits and then like the production of chocolate marketing of chocolate they had like old vintage um like wrappers and and setups um up upstairs which we didn't get to go through very thoroughly because by the time our chocolate had been made we were it was about closing closing time um because we went well they were closing early for the holidays i think And also when we were on our way to the Chocolate Museum, we saw a Cagatio, which was super random to see outside of Catalonia because the Cagatio is a Catalonian tradition. So the area around uh, Barcelona, where instead of Santa Claus bringing gifts, uh, there's a tree stump that will poop out the presents. and that's the, the tradition that they have in the Barcelona area. And for some reason, in Cologne, there was a cagatillo next to the sidewalk. Yep. I actually saw, I mean, and this was a proper cagatillo. Like, it was a stump with little legs, had the little face, and even had a hat, right? 
think so, yeah. I think I even had the little hat, which like I have recently seen a tree stump that's still attached to a tree, but it had like painted like white eyes and a mouth on it. And uh, I started <laughs> when I was walking with someone who has never been to Catalonia. So I started singing Caga Tio, Tio, and they just looked at me like I'd gone crazy. And then I had to explain about the pooping tree log that um, I think some families, it depends on the tradition, will like buy progressively bigger ones because you're meant to feed it as well. So you feed it lots of good things and then it, it'll poop out treats for you. Um, and so that some of them buy like bigger logs that they swap out um, strategically for the kids' uh, enjoyment. So it was really cool to see that in the middle of Germany randomly. Also, one of the days in Cologne, we took a walk outside of the city center to a coffee place called the Coffee Gang, which unfortunately it was outside the city center. So I think it was a 30, 45 minute walk there uh, each way. But once we got there, it was a really cool place with really good coffee that, yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend going there. But I think that will wrap up our trip to Germany in Berlin and Cologne. So I think there's still plenty of things, especially in, in Berlin being the size that it was that we could do uh, if and when we go back. But yeah, I, I had a great time in both cities. Me too. And yeah, there's a lot of history in Berlin that we didn't get to see. And I definitely, I'd just go in those museums again, the same ones, the same exhibits. They were really cool. Um, And I would go back to Berlin for the burgers. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. What recommendations would you have for someone going to either Berlin or Cologne? Be aware of the plastic bottle deposit. Um, I think don't be surprised if everyone like can speak English but chooses to speak German. Uh, and the burgers, definitely the burgers uh, in Berlin and all of the museums. I'd definitely go to the museums that we went to again, uh, even for the same exhibits just because they were... I mean, so massive, we didn't get to explore them all. And then for Cologne, uh, it's worth going just to see the cathedral. And then um, I would recommend, I'd recommend the Chocolate Museum. Like, because we ummed and odd about it for a little while, just because um, it was a paid, like, uh, museum entry. Um, but I think as long as you make sure that you've got the time to go and get your free chocolate bar, you do a couple of laps for the chocolate-covered wafers, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think it more than works out as the money. I think it more than works out for um, the value for money, especially if you have a family, I'd say. Yeah, and for me, I think one big thing, like I mentioned before, about Berlin is just how big it is. So don't don't expect to do everything in Berlin in a short time. And also don't expect places in Berlin to be close to each other because um, 
different places in Berlin can be pretty far away because it is such a big city in terms of square footage. Uh, Cologne, on the other hand, was a relatively small city compared to uh, to Berlin, but the cathedral was absolutely amazing. So I'd say, yeah, definitely make sure you get to the the cathedral there. But I think that will that will do it for our time in Cologne and Berlin in Germany from uh, Christmas. 2018. So we'll catch you next time. I recorded this episode with my Samsung Q2U microphone, and this episode was brought to you by the Healthy Explorer blog, which you can visit at healthyexplorer.org. Until next time, happy exploring.